Oh man, church is going to be so much fun today. Hey, good morning. Welcome to City Lights Church. My name is Peyton. If I've not met you, I'm the lead pastor here at City Lights, and we're just so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, just we love what God's doing here, and uh, if you don't know this, we start a new six-week series today called Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll, and I'm telling you, it's going to be so good. I'm, I'm just so excited to, uh, to share this message with you. Uh, recently, actually two weeks ago yesterday, God blessed my wife and I with a little baby boy named Jude Sterling, and we are so fortunate to have him, and, and so as we were kind of preparing for, we knew about when he was going to come, I, I tried to schedule some guest speakers. I had one three weeks ago, and I had one last week, just trying to figure out, when's this baby coming so I could have a Sunday off, and of course he came on the Sunday that I didn't have a guest speaker, so I came in here on about 90 minutes of sleep, and I told Troy, some of our sound team back there, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to say this morning because I'm hallucinating from sleep deprivation. But nonetheless, uh, God's been faithful. I'm so grateful for our guest speakers that came in. And um, we do a volunteer service in the morning just for our volunteers. And I told them this, and I want to tell our church family here uh, this as well. If you're a first-time guest, it don't take long around here to become family because we'll meet you where you are. You just come on in here and as you are, and we'll meet you where you are, regardless of what you think about the Bible, what you think about God, or what kind of past problems you have. You're welcome here. But one of the things that happens in a local church a lot is there's a lot of pressure on pastors to be there every single Sunday. Um, and I'm not going to suggest that my work is any harder than yours. Um, I, I think it's arguable that pastors' works never really ends. That's not an excuse. It's just the truth. And so uh, a lot of churches put pressure on their pastors to, to be at every single event, to do every single thing, to be there every single Sunday. And no doubt, God's called me to lead this church. I am the pastor of this church and grateful for it. But I, was just, I felt so blessed over those couple weeks that I was able to take off. And, and some of our church family brought my wife and I food every single night. It was so good that we didn't have to worry about cooking. And, and I'm just so grateful that I felt love from my church for taking those Sundays off. I didn't feel like anybody cared because, you know, the Bible says this. It says, how can a pastor lead his church if he can't take care of his family? And so I want you guys to know this this morning, um, that I'm so grateful that City Lights doesn't make me choose between my church and my family, because if you ever made me choose that, this church would be without a pastor tomorrow, because I love my family that much. And I just want you to know that, that I love my family. God's given me a good family, and I'm so excited about um, the future with my wife and kids. And I'm, I'm fired to be here for the next six weeks. I've, I'm fresh. I'm rejuvenated. I'm probably too little jacked up right now. Uh, I'm out of breath because I'm so jacked up because I've got so much on my mind I want to say. So I'm going to try to go slow. But good Lord willing, I'm going to be here with you the next six weeks to go through this series. And I'm very, very excited about it. Also, I want to tell you this. that If you've got children, man, every week we encourage you to take advantage of our City Kids ministry. In fact, I don't know what the numbers are just yet. But um, I know this. This morning is the biggest... Uh, attendance we've had back there. So it's blowing up and they're going to have a good, yes, yeah, yeah, celebrate that. It's going to be a good morning. But specifically over these next six weeks, I really want to encourage you, if you've got children, to take them back there. Because as we go through these topics, through sex, drugs, rock and roll, we're going to be covering some things that are probably going to be very sensitive and inappropriate to younger children. And a great question was posed to me this morning was, what about middle school kids? Um, you know, we don't, we only do child care or, or ministry up through fifth grade, and really our, our solution to that, our answer is this. By sixth grade, kids are doing very appalling things, and they're either hearing about it at the church, or excuse me, the school, or they're going to hear about it at church, and we prefer it be here. 
So that's kind of our answer to that. If you're wondering, well, where should middle schoolers go? Well, if you read the newspaper and see what they're doing on school buses, learning from God's house would be a lot better than them hearing about there. So that's kind of our reasoning behind that. But if you've got kids, I want to just encourage you to take advantage of that growing, energetic ministry because, man, we're going to dive into some incredible stuff over the next six weeks. And really, um, the, the, the whole purpose behind doing this Sex, Drugs, Rock and Roll series is not to be edgy. It's not to be risky. It's not to gain a lot of attention. It's really just to answer God's word, excuse me, answer questions through God's word that I feel like are on a lot of people's minds. I mean, what does the Bible say about premarital sex? What does it say about pornography? What does it say about marriage? And I want to just go ahead and say this. I can see some of you right now, you're like, this dude's fixing to say something at any given moment. The more churchy you are, the more you're going to be offended over the next six weeks. Because I know this, when, we, when, we, when it comes to sex, drugs, rock and roll, we all have preconceived notions about what the Bible says, about what we believe. You may not even be able to give a scriptural reference for what you believe. You just say, hey, this is what I think. But we're going to go through God's word. We're going to let that be the lens for which we answer these questions, not what culture says. And I'm so excited to be in part one this morning with you behind the caution tape. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was driving out on lovely Bluff Road. That is, if you go down like 441, you go across River Road, and you go across Massengill Bridge. Any of my local people know what I'm talking about? And kind of like the back way to Lake City. Well, I was going out that road, and I may or may have not been speeding. Uh, we record this service. It's podcasted, so for legal reasons, I can't tell you if I was or if I wasn't. But I may have been. So we were going down, I was going down that road, uh, me and Jesus, it was him, Jesus in the car with me, Jesus take the wheel. Um, and there again, you know, could have been going a little fast, and we got to one of these spots where, you know, like if you're going around a sharp curve and you don't see a car coming, you kind of cheat over a little bit to cross the yellow line. Well, I happened to cheat over a little bit, and um, this car started coming, so I had to whip it back over real quick. And when I did, that, there was no guardrails right there on the side, and if I would have just went off, I would have been, you know, kapooey, death, that's it, no more Peyton, see you. Thanks for all you've done for us, but uh, who's up next? Just been straight death, and I got to thinking as I was driving, I was like, where are those dang guardrails at? How come there's no guardrails right here? You know, I never think about stuff like that as I'm driving, like, where are the guardrails? But that moment, I was like, I need some boundaries here. I need some protection to help me, because if I cross over that boundary, it's straight into death. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've been driving down the road, and, you know, also, I I think another good spot is if you're just, I'm talking local here. If you're in Clinton going to South Clinton, you go across what we call the Green Bridge. If you're in that passing lane, the only thing that separates you from death is two yellow lines about 12 inches long. And sometimes I'll go through there, and I've got a, a, pretty, I've got a full-size truck, but sometimes I'll be going through there, and it's so tight. I like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You squeeze in your car like that's going to help you, you know, get by them. You know, like, where are those boundaries at? And so I share those stories with you to tell you this. That's really where we're going the next six weeks is we're going to look at God's boundaries. And if you don't get anything else out of everything that we're going to talk about, the one thing I want you to know is this, that God gives us boundaries to protect us, not to hurt us. God gives us boundaries to protect us, not to hurt us. It's going to be so important that we understand that moving forward because we're going to talk about some things that maybe might hurt your feelings, may step on your toes a little bit, But ultimately, everything that God does for us, his word, the boundaries from this crazy lifestyle, it's to protect us, not to hurt us. And so when it comes to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I think a good question is, why does God have boundaries? I mean, why does God even care about me? For example, why does God care that I'm having sex before I'm married? I mean, I'm an adult. I can make my own decision. It's my life. 
What's the big deal? Why does God care? Another question could be, why does God care if I look at pornography? I mean, it's not actually like I'm having sex with them. I'm just looking at it. I'm not hurting anybody. In fact, nobody can even know. Just me and the computer. Why does God even care if I do that? Another question could be when it comes to boundaries is, I mean, why does God care if I get drunk? I mean, I'm 21. I work for it. I don't get behind the wheel. I just get drunk on the weekends, you know, when I'm grilling out, my family's over. On the flip side of that is then like, okay, if God doesn't want that, then what's the boundary? Is the boundary like, I can have one drink, I can have two drinks, I can get a little tipsy, I can get a little giggly. I mean, is the boundary, does it cross over when I've had so many that I strip my clothes off, put a lampshade on my head and streak naked down the neighborhood? Have I crossed the line then? I mean, what's the boundary? What's, what are the boundaries? What are the purposes? Where are they? How do I stay safe? I think another good question is this, a diagnostic, is maybe your kids are grown, you've been divorced, you're dating again, you're, start, you're looking to remarry, and you're wondering, like, do all these rules still apply to me? I mean, do I really have to have, you know, wait to have sex till I'm married again? I'm a little bit more established. I mean, aren't these rules just for, like, the younger kids? And, by the way, why does God care if I live with this person before I'm married? I mean, I'm going to marry him anyway. We love each other. Why does God care? That's where we're going the next six weeks as we talk about these subjects. And we want you to know, I want you to know that God gives us boundaries to protect us, not to hurt us. And so this morning, if you have a Bible, open up with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you don't have one, if you'll stop by the Next Steps table after the service, we give free Bibles away. We want you to have one. If you've got it on your phone, you can open up the app, Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you don't have one, don't you sweat it. We're going to have the... Uh, scripture's up on the screen, so you can just read along with us. So we've got you covered from every basis. Before we get into our, our text, though, I, I want to just kind of set up the context about behind the caution tape and where we're going in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. It's a book of law. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We believe that all these books were written by a man named Moses. Well, what's going on here in this, in this Deuteronomy, this last book of the law, is to just kind of set the context up a little bit. Maybe you've heard this. Moses goes up on a mountain. He receives this instruction from God. We call them the Ten Commandments. He comes back down with his iPads of instruction. They weren't iPads. They were stone tablets um, that we believe. He comes back down with the Ten Commandments, and he's just received this word from God. And this is what's crazy is the, the people of Israel, they're waiting on their leader. They're waiting on their shepherd to come down. And just like a Baptist pastor like me sometimes, Moses is taking a little long. He goes over his time, limiting a little bit. Everybody's getting squirmy. And so they get tired of waiting on Moses. So when Moses comes down, he's just had this, you know, revelation from God. He's got the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the mountain, and he finds the nation of Israel partying and having a bunch of orgies. Listen, I just want to tell you, you need to read your Bible. It's very interesting, and I encourage you to read it. There's a lot of good stuff in there. It's not all PG-13, though. There is some rated R stuff. So he comes in off this mountain. He sees the nation just having these crazy sex parties. He throws down the Ten Commandments, breaks the tablets, Goes off on a rant. Long story short, we, we see the first commandments in Exodus 20. Now, one chapter, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but one chapter before this, in Deuteronomy 5, we see where G, uh, Moses gets the Ten Commandments again. He goes through them again, and basically this is what's happened. God used Moses to take the nation of Israel to the promised land, the land of Canaan. Well, we find out that Moses is not going to be able to cross into that land, so he is passing the baton off to a young man named Joshua. 
So if you will, this is kind of like Moses' farewell speech. This is like, this is his last will and testament. This is the last thing he's saying to the nation of Israel. I think you're going to see that's relevant to City Lights Church today and our culture. So that's kind of the context of what's going on. It's a farewell speech. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And listen, we're going to dive in, and I want you to hang with me. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. It says, this is the commandment, the rules and regulations that God, your God, commanded me to teach you to live out in the land that you're about to cross into to possess. Moses knows it. They're fixing to cross over into the promised land. He's telling them, listen, the basic principle of everything I've taught you, these Ten Commandments, God's law, his rules, his regulations, it's so interesting that this man of God who's seen God on the mountain, he breaks it down to the fundamental element of just being basic. It's the most elementary principle he's saying. Everything I've taught you is for this reason, so that you would understand the basics of God's rules for you. I think in the church today we get caught up in all these different types of theologies, who can be saved, who can't be saved. Something that I'm sick and tired of hearing is what translations should I read or what I can't read this because God's more you know, prevalent in this translation. Let me just, I could get off on a little bit of rant, okay, and I'm not being hateful, I'm just fired up. Let me tell you something when it comes to reading the Bible. You read whatever you understand. You read whatever you understand. Whatever you, there's nothing wrong with having a preference. I have a preference. But Moses doesn't get caught up in all this, you know, this jargon, this legalistic stuff. He doesn't get caught up in what denomination are you? Where is your building? You meet in a high school auditorium? How come you don't do this? How come you don't do that? He gets down to the basic principle of everything I've taught you. If you don't get anything else, you need to know this moving forward. It's so basic. In 1959, a young 45-year-old coach takes over his first NFL coaching team, or his first NFL team uh, in his experience. This team he takes on has a dying fan base. They've won two games the previous season. It seems that there's no hope for this team. And a young 45-year-old coach says, hey, I'm going to take them on. The very first practice, the coach steps into the locker room, and he would say five simple words that would change the franchise history of the Green Bay Packers. That team was the Green Bay Packers. That coach was a man named Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi walks into the locker room. He's meeting his team there, and you've got to remember, these guys are professionals. They've been playing football all their life. They know just about everything there is to know about the game. Vince Lombardi walks in in silence. He just stands there and looks at his team for a minute. He picks up a football shows it to him, and says these five words. He says, gentlemen, this is a football. Now, you can imagine, I mean, these guys are getting paid to do this. That would be like the last thing that they would need to know. But see, what Vince was doing, what Coach Lombardi was doing, was breaking the game down to the most basic, fundamental things you could understand. He said, gentlemen, this is a football. I'm your coach. You're my players. He walks them out of the locker room, takes them to the field, and he says, this is a field. Now, can you imagine like, trying to play football without the lines on the field? I've got a childhood friend in here, Brandon Gross, and, and Nick Parker, and Matt Parker, some kids I grew up with. I also think of guys like Jordan Thomas, Brandon Phillips. If we didn't have lines on the football field at my house when we played in Hunter's Trail, it was two, two completions equals a first down. Could you imagine like NFL trying to play like that? Or like touchdown was if you catch the ball and you run past the tree. Or you run past Troy's house the back if that was a touchdown. Can you imagine if the game of football was like that? It'd be ridiculous. And so Vince Lombardi breaks the game down to the most basic way you can understand it. That's what Moses is doing for the nation of Israel. Church, this morning, that's what we've got to understand, that God gives us these boundaries, not to hurt us, not to make us live a boring life. I think there's this misrepresentation. Christians are so boring, and a lot of us are, to be honest with you, but our life doesn't have to be boring. 
It's that God wants us to understand these, these boundaries are to protect us. As Moses is giving the speech to Israel, he lets them know that you've got to pay attention to these things. You've got to pay attention. So this is verse 2. Look, why, why do we need to pay attention? This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God. That word reverence can also mean fear. You could also say it like an awe or honor of God. That we'll live in deep reverence before God. Say this with me. Life long. Ooh, that was not good. Listen, this is not just me up here talking, all right? You've got to be engaged with me. You've got to be engaged with me. Don't leave me hanging up here. Let's try this again. This is so that you'll live in deep reverence before God life long. Good, 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 good. Observing, listen, all his rules and regulations that I'm commanding you. It's so interesting that Moses would use this word all. He doesn't say, observe what you want to, observe what you understand, observe what's convenient for you. He says, observe all of them. And that's because when we're not all in with God, we're what the New Testament calls a lukewarm Christian. Today it might be said like this. Everybody in the house of God knows you're a Christian on Sunday. But come Monday, nobody. You look nothing like Jesus on Monday. Because you're not observing all of them. You're observing some. When it's convenient for you, when you know what to do, when it's pleasurable for you, when it's profitable for you to follow God. You can't be hot and cold. You can't be hot and cold, Christian. Because what happens is this. You get yourself in trouble. You begin picking and choosing what kind of lifestyle you want to live. And then you ask God to bless your life on your terms, right? Like God says, you've got to do all this. And you say, no, God, I'm going to do this. But I still want all the blessing just over here. You kind of step over the boundaries. And then when life goes to hell, you're like, God, where are you? Why are you doing this to me? My life's so miserable. I've got it harder than anybody else. And it's because you're not observing all his rules and regulations. And I want to clarify, I just had this thought so we make sure we understand. That just because you're obedient to God does not mean that you don't go through trials. Right? I know some of the most faithful Christians I know experience devastating loss and pain and cancer. But what I know about them is that when they're observing all of God's rules and regulations, they don't blame it on him. Proverbs 19.3 says something beautiful. It says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they are angry at the Lord. Maybe you've done that. This, maybe you're here this morning and you've done that. You've made some bad decisions, and you blame it on God. Hey, newsflash. Your marriage isn't failing because God's not for it. It's because you're not investing in it. Don't blame God on why things are going to hell in a handbasket. Newsflash this morning. You're not in financial trouble because God won't bless you enough. It's because you don't know how to manage your money. I'm speaking the truth, right? It's not of God. So don't let your mistakes and your actions result in blaming God for your foolishness. This is why Moses tells them, you've got to observe and obey everything. Listen, he's not talking about being perfect here. I think there's also a misconception in Christianity that if we're not perfect, then we can't enter the doors of a church. If we're not perfect, we can't call ourselves a Christ follower. I'm very, 
very open about my past before coming to Christ. And I often say this, that if I told you everything I did before I became a pastor, you'd blush, I'd be really embarrassed, and we'd just call church early and I'll go out to eat at Shoney's or wherever, Cracker Bear, wherever we go. And I say that because God is in the redeeming business. So you don't have to be perfect to come to him. You will not be perfect until you are in him in glory in heaven. The church word, the biblical term is God is sanctifying us. He is setting us apart. When we become one in him, we are sanctified. We are set apart until we reach glory in heaven. So I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, but let's just be honest. Your life should change a little bit. Your life should change quite a bit. Mine changed radically and dramatically when I begin to observe and live by all his rules and regulations. You tell me you're a Christ follower, let me hang out with you for six weeks and I'll tell you if you are or not. You tell me you love Jesus, let me talk to you on the phone for an hour and if you never mention his name one time, don't tell me you do. People ruin their lives by our own silly mistakes. You don't have any good friends because you're not a good friend. It's not because God isolates you and just wants you to be miserable. As we pick up in our story, listen to what Moses tells to the nation of Israel, what he says, says to them. This is Deuteronomy 6, verse 3. He says, listen obediently, Israel. I would say it like this. Listen obediently, city lights, church. Do what you're told. Say that G word with me. Do what you're told so that you'll have a good, good life. Hey, if you're here this morning and you feel like God's somebody up there on the throne who's just sending down lightning bolts and condemnation, you don't know the Jesus of the Bible. He wants you to have a good life. Listen, a life of abundance and bounty, just as he promised. Now, in context here, Moses is speaking to the nation of Israel. They've been held captivity by Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But God made a promise that they would get to the promised land. This morning, if you're in Christ, he said that he'll never leave you or forsake you. In fact, this is good news, and I'm telling you, if I could jump to that ceiling right now, I would. Jesus told his people, I'm going away. I'm going to heaven to prepare a room for you. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. And then what he says is, Brandon, I'm about to get fired up in here. He said, I'm going to, play, I'm going to prepare a room for you, and I'm coming back, and I'll take you back up in there. The old hymnal says, I've got a mansion on a hilltop. I just had church by my own self just then. I just had church by my own self. I don't even know. All I can see is a sex drugs rock and roll screen. I have no idea what I was talking about before then. Oh, yeah. Listen obediently because God's promises are good. They're faithful. When God says it, it's going to happen. I heard one preacher say it like this. Where God puts a period, you shouldn't put a question mark. If you're here this morning, you're in Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you're here this morning and you're seeking spiritual things, you're on this faith journey for the first time, the good news is this, is that God wants you to have a good life. An abundant life. I'm going to just tell you the truth here. Man, Christians are some of the most miserable people I know, and I don't know why. Because we've got the best thing in the world. So what? You don't make as much money as everybody else. So what? Your house is not as big as everybody else. You're a child of the king. That makes you a co-heir to the throne of God. 
He tells the, he tells the nation of Israel, listen obediently because God made a promise. It's going to come true that he wants us to have a good life. I want you to answer this out loud. What is the opposite of life? Death. Death is the opposite of life. We see in these first three verses here that God repeats himself through Moses. Have a good life, a life of abundance and bounty, and a, a lifelong observing all my rules and regulations so that you would have a good, long life. This can mean literally and figuratively. If the opposite of life is death, when it comes to sex, drugs, rock and roll, when it comes to sex, drugs, rock and roll, God knows what's best. He's telling us how to have a good, long life. If, we're, if we want to have this life that he intends for us, his plan for us, then we can't cross these boundaries. God truly knows what's best for us. These are, this is kind of uh, some neat statistics here. And I want you to know this. I'm not being legalistic. I think if, if, you'll, if you don't realize this already, you will by the time you leave here. I'm open to the word of God and what it says. I let it translate my thought and my opinions. I don't let man dictate what, I, dictate what I think about things. So this is just really come up from a perspective of what does God say about it? But I did some research on a couple things. It says, there's, there's numerous research that suggests couples who live together prior to marriage are more likely to get divorced than couples who cohabitate before they're married. It also shows that those same couples who live together before marriage have a lower rate of marital satisfaction before they divorce. So what happens is this. When it comes to divorce... It's not a physical death, but the covenant that was made spiritually before God dies. God came to give us life. You said the opposite of that is death. If God wants to have a good life, this is why he tells us it's so important that we don't cross these boundaries. Are you with me? God knows what's best. And when we cross the boundaries when it comes to marriage outside of God's plan, it can often lead to divorce, which is not God's plan. I want you to know that. I also want you to know this. God doesn't give up on us when we make mistakes. I know some people right now in their second marriage, and God's blessing them. So I want you to know that this morning. If you've been here, you've been through a divorce, you're looking to get remarried, you're remarried again, you're wondering, can God bless that marriage? He most certainly can. In fact, he will, if you'll live honorably before him. God truly knows what's best for you. Having premarital sex can often lead to having babies. Having babies with someone that you don't really love, that you're not really married to, can often lead to a scenario like this. I don't really love this person. I'm not really ready for this baby. I don't really want to have this baby. I don't want to commit my life with this person because I don't love them. Then what can happen is abortion. Physical death. The opposite of what God wants for us. Good life. So see, spiritual and physical death are all around us when we cross into these boundaries. That God says, no, 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 you need to be behind the caution tape. You need to be behind the caution tape because I know what's best for you. God truly knows what's best when it comes to sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, man, when I was, not that I'm old by any means, I feel like I'm just now in my prime that I finally know what I'm doing for once in my life. But when I was in my early 20s and late teens, I just was a party animal, honestly. Some of the things I did... Um, just craziness, really, and just thank God that he reached down from heaven to save somebody who was in need of a Savior. But I was just out living a, a, a rock and roll lifestyle. Partied whenever I could, like my Friday night was Tuesday morning at 9.30, you know what I'm talking about? If I could, you know, if I could get high then, I was going to party then. 
My Saturday night was, you know, Monday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Whenever I could get whatever I wanted, I would do it. But there came this point in my life, January 21st, 2009, where I felt like, literally, this is so cliche, but it's true, that every decision I had made, every lie I had told, every drug I had taken, every person I had hurt, everything came crashing down on me. And I want you to know, this isn't like a super spiritual thing. It's just my story. I prayed to God to save me from myself and use me. And he did. He did. However, at that time I was partying for seven or eight years, there was a good friend of mine named, uh, God rest his soul, Jordan Phillips. We called him, I called him Jordy. And we were like thick as thieves. We were firing dynamite together. I mean, we just, you know, rebels without a cause. I mean, we, you know, just raised some cane in this county many times. And when I kind of got out of the game, I stopped crossing the boundaries because I was serious about my walk with Christ. I was serious about God had done this good work in me, and I wanted to reach back out and help other people. But Jordy kept going this way. He never could stay on this side of the boundaries. And Coming up in a couple of weeks would be his three-year anniversary of his death. And I'll never forget it. It was kind of one of the first funerals I had done where um, it was someone I knew. And so, like, I can even just, even now, as I am thinking of it in my mind, it was very similar to how this auditorium's laid out. But I just want you to know how, how weird it was for me to be doing this guy's funeral because I don't even know if I can describe this, how close we were. It just, like, even now my heart just drops because... I, I think, and it's just a personal confession, did I do enough to bring him back? Did I share my faith enough with him? And fortunately, it's not my job to save, or excuse me, yeah, fortunately for me, it's not my job to save people. That's Jesus's. So I take that pressure off of me. But I'll never forget it. Jordy kept going this way. I went this way. I wound up doing his funeral because the lifestyle he was living got him. And I'll never forget, I'm standing at the podium at a church down in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. I'm standing here, the casket's in front of me, down on the ground. It's an open casket. And I'm preaching his funeral. But I'm knowing it could have been me laying there. It could have been me. In fact, it probably should have been. But God's grace is enough. And see, God covered me from that physical death, that spiritual death. So God knows what's best when it comes to sex, drugs, rock and roll. See, it's not that God doesn't want you to have fun. And let's just be honest. Can we be honest for a minute? Like, if we can't have a good time in church, then where can we? When I was younger, like, it was fun to be irresponsible. I didn't mind, like, you know, getting my paycheck and going and blowing it on, you know, food and probably marble lights or something back then, whatever kind of cigarettes I smoked back then. You know, it was fun to run out a little money because I'd go to mom's house and get something to eat or, you know. It was kind of fun to be irresponsible. But then what happens is, uh, sometimes you got to wake up and get a life, right? That's the plan when you become an adult. Unfortunately, that memo didn't get spread to everybody. But that's the plan in case you're here and you're young, that you are supposed to grow up at some point and become a responsible adult. But, you know, it's like sin is pleasurable for a season. I mean, when I started partying, it was, it was fun. I didn't do it with intentions of in two years, I'll be a drug addict, homeless, sleeping in a bus station in Mobile, Alabama. That wasn't my plan when I started But when I crossed that boundary, God let me go. See, when God says, don't cross my boundaries, it's not to hurt you. 
It's to protect you. How many of you have kids, nieces, or nephews, you know, some, some type of form of little kid in your family, or your parents? Or... It's so important that you live this life not just for you. I mean, ultimately, listen, it's about your relationship with Christ. But we must not only practice keeping these rules and regulations for our own sake, but for those whom we love. Later on in the chapter, Moses says this in verse 20. He says, the next time your child asks you, kids do ask questions, right? Listen, I've got a three-year-old, and she's about to make me pull what little bit of hair out I have left. Because every time I say something to her, you ask her mother. She says, why? Why? And I'm like, because I told you. I'm your, you know, but it's like, why? You know, kids, they ask questions. They ask. So Moses says, the next time your kid asks you, because he's going to ask you or she's going to ask you, what do these requirements and regulations and rules that God here says again, our God, there is one God, our God has commanded me. What, what are these? What's this all about? I love what he says in verse 21 right here. He says, tell your child. Listen, you can't tell how to be an example if you're not living by one. I, like, I meet these parents that say, I hope they don't turn out like me. Well, you better quit acting like you then. Moses says, you tell your child. We could also say it like this. You've got to share your faith with people when they ask you, why do you not act like a fool on the weekends, man? I've worked hard all week. Let me tell you why. Now, we're going to kind of compare what the Israelites are going through to what we're in. Moses says, tell your child, we were slaves to Pharaoh. Remember I told you they were held in captivity. You've got to tell these people like me. I was in bondage to drugs. I was suppressed by depression. We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. I love this right here. Good Lord, somebody needs to shout. And God powerfully intervened. Anybody ever seen God powerfully intervene in your life? If you're not, if you've not, he's ready to this morning. He wants to intervene in your life. He wants to disrupt your plans. We saw God powerfully intervene, and he got us out of that country because remember Moses told him that God's got a promise for a good life, and God promised the people of Israel that they would get to the promised land. The promise for you this morning is that God will never leave you or forsake you, and that one day you will spend eternity with him in heaven. Verse 22. Look, we stood there and watched as God delivered miracle signs. As I was studying this, I don't know if I want to stand still or walk back and forth. So y'all just hang with me. You're going to be seeing the front and back of me. I'm not sure which one's better, but you're going to be seeing both. We stood there and watched as God delivered. So as I was studying this, I was like, man, we just, what's, God had a check in my steer. We, we stood there and watched. And I was like, these Christians are lazy. We just stood there. Then I had this thought, no, 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 no. See, they stood there and watched because there's some things only God can do. This morning, you're going through a situation, and only God can get you out of it. Everything you've done, you've tried, you've worked, you've hustled, you've prayed, you've sought after him, but only he can get you out of it. They stood there and watched as God delivered miracle signs, great wonders. You want to see something God do? You want to see him do something good? I mean, I do. These great wonders and evil visitations on Egypt. He's talking about the ten plagues, the plagues that he sent out on Egypt. On Pharaoh and his household, verse 23. Look, he pulled us out of there. He pulled me out of the depths, out of the snares of addiction. This morning, somebody's struggling with pornography. You're, 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 you're not married and you know you're out, you're out having sex with anybody you can get it from or you know somebody like that. God wants to pull you out of that. 
You're struggling with a sexual sin. Financially, you're making terrible decisions. God wants to pull you out of that. Somebody here this morning, you know that your marriage is struggling. You're not happy. God wants to pull you out of that. He pulled us out of there. Why? He pulled us out of there so he could bring us here to the promised land. He's pulled you out of where you're at. He'll pull you out of where you're at so you can be here in the house of the Lord where you can be strengthened with other believers. He pulled us out of there so he could bring us here, look, and give us the land he solemnly promised to our ancestors. We see this. When God makes a promise, it will come true. This morning, there's promises of God and you need to claim them because they will come true. They will. Verse 24, so now he, he sums everything up. He says, that's why. That's why God commanded us to, allow these, or to follow these rules so that we would live reverently before God. Here it is again, our God. Listen, as he gives us, say this, the G word with me, as he gives us this good life. Listen, he gives us this good life keeping us alive for a long time to come. Aren't you glad that God gives a good life to those who follow him? If you would say that you've got a good life, would you just raise your hand and just acknowledge that he's been good to you? You may not have all the money. You may not have finished college. You may not be driving a 2014 vehicle. But God's been good. At the most basic element, God's been good to you. And so all these boundaries that he sets up when it comes to sex and drugs and rock and roll, it's to protect you. It's not to hurt you. Maybe you're listening to this message and you've been crossing the boundaries that God has set for you. And you need to get back. I've always been the type of guy, I'm certainly the type of kid, that if my mom said the stove was hot, that boundary wasn't enough. I had to, right? Maybe some of you are here, you're listening to this message, and you know you've been crossing the boundary, and you're not living a good life. But that's what God wants for you. Listen, this is not a sermon to beat the crap out of you, where you walk out of here feeling guilty. It ought to inspire the heck out of you to know that God wants something great for you. That regardless of what you think about him, he still loves you and wants you to have a good life. Maybe for the first time in your life, you realize that God doesn't want you just to be boring and just apathetic, going through the motions. Last night, my wife and I were coming home from somewhere, and we were just driving down the road, and I just told her, I was like, we're talking about some personal goals, and I said, let's just go for it. You know, I'm sick and tired of just sitting around and, I mean, I've kind of always been a dreamer, really. My wife's the one that keeps me down to reality, thank goodness, or I'd I'd be in China somewhere selling comic books or something stupid. I don't know what I'd be doing. There's no telling, but, like, God wants you to go for it. He wants you to be bold, chase your dreams. So maybe you're here this morning, you'd say, you know what? I've been living way outside the boundaries. It's time for me to get back in. 
I want you to know that God gives us boundaries to protect us, not to hurt us. I want you to know that outside of sex, drugs, rock and roll, all these things outside of God's plan are not what he wants for you. If you've been living outside of these boundaries, if you've been living behind the caution tape, it's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're so far gone there's no hope for you because church, you need to listen to me this morning. The pastor of this church, your pastor, once was lost, but now is found. I mean, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. In a moment, you can change. God gives us these boundaries. It's not because he wants you to be bored. It's not that you can't have fun. To protect you. I can think of all the time in my life where I've ever crossed God's boundaries. How it's put me in a place that I really didn't need to be. And oftentimes, like Proverbs 19.3, I would blame God. for my actions and I would be mad at him and I would say God why do you put these stupid boundaries here anyway I mean what does it matter at the end of the day it's my life what do you care and God would say listen I put these boundaries here church listen to me God's given us all this he's telling you this morning just stay away from this area listen you can have everything else and I want you to have it I want you to have a good long life see I I put the boundaries here for sex drugs rock and roll not to hurt you but to protect you I wish I could tell you and convey to you how much God loves every person in here. Every person that will be listening to this podcast. That God wants only what's best for you. His intentions are good. Leslie, his heart is good. He is good. He is faithful. And all he's telling us this morning is just, I've given you so much. Just stay away from this one little area. Maybe you're listening and and you know you've been living behind the caution tape. And it's time to step out into the promises of God so that you can live a good, long life. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you that we can come to your word and see the truth about tough subjects, God, that really everything that you've designed in life is not to hurt us, it's to protect us, God. 
It's to shield us from that which will separate us from you. God, it's not that so that we would be separated from you, but that we would have a deeper revelation of who you are. And so today we just cry out, God, from behind the caution tape to bring us out. God, bring us out of whatever's holding us down that we can claim the promises that you want for us, that you intend for us. God, that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Oh, God, that we would walk victoriously in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.